Genesis 43 is about Benjamin being sent down into Egypt and Jacob didn't want him to go. And Judah says in verse 8, And Judah said unto Israel, his father, Send the lad with me, and we will arise and go that we may live and not die, both we and thou and also our little ones. I will be surety for him. Of mine hand shalt thou require him. If I bring him not unto thee, and set him before thee, then let me bear the blame forever, eternally. I want you to think about the Lord saying that for you. You know, we were just listening to that song, He Careth. And I thought, He does. For except we had lingered, surely now we had returned this second time. And their father Israel said unto them, If it must be so now that I have to send my beloved Benjamin down, do this. Take of the best fruits in the land in your vessels and carry down the man a present, a little balm and a little honey, spices, myrrh, nuts, and almonds, and take double money in your hand and the money that was brought again in the mouth of your sacks. Now, do you remember when they returned and they found out that the money they had given for the grain was returned to them. It was all in their sacks. They hadn't paid a thing, and they were concerned about that. They didn't know how this took place. Take double money in your hand, and the money that was brought again in the mouth of your sacks, carry it again in your hand. Peradventure, it was an oversight. Perhaps this was just some kind of mistake. We don't know how this took place. Take also your brother... And arise and go again unto the man. And God Almighty give you mercy before the man. Jacob knew God. And I love the way he says this. God Almighty give you mercy before this man. You see the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the river of waters, he turneth it whithersoever he will. And it's good for us to always remember that. This man they were so afraid of was in God's hand. And he can move him in whatever way he's pleased to move him. And you know he can do that with everybody in our lives. God Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may send away your other brother. Remember, Simeon had been uh, held there while they came back, and Benjamin. And if I be bereaved of my children, I'm bereaved. And the men took that present, and they took double money in their hand, and Benjamin, and rose up and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, Oh, what a sight that must have been. This is my brother. Oh, he was so overcome 
with this sight. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with him, he said to the ruler of his house, his main servant, bring these men home and slay and make ready. For these men shall dine with me at noon. They're going to be brought into my house. They're going to eat with me. And the man did as Joseph bade, and the man brought the men into Joseph's house. And the men were afraid. Something's wrong with this picture. And I know why they were afraid. He tells us. The men were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house and they said because of the money that was returned in our sacks at the first time we were brought in that he may take occasion against us and fall upon us and take us for bondmen, bondmen and our asses. He's doing this just to take everything that we own. No, he wasn't. <laughs> nothing but mercy, nothing but grace, nothing but favor was involved, but you see, as a man is, so he thinks others to be. And they just assumed this is what he's going to do to us. They didn't even have a clue as to who he really was. And all they could think of is how he is going to take advantage of us, take our stuff, and make us slaves. Verse 19, and they came near to the steward of Joseph's house. And they communed with him at the door of the house, this steward. And they said, Oh, sir, we came indeed down at the first time to buy food. And it came to pass when we came to the inn that we opened our sacks, and behold, every man's money was in the mouth of his sack, our money in full weight. We brought it again in our hand. And other money have we brought down. Remember, double money. <laughs> We're going to pay twice the original fee. Boy, they were trying to cover their bases, weren't they? And other money have we brought down into our hands to buy food. We cannot tell who put our money in our sacks. Now the servant replies, Peace be to you. Fear not. You're God. And the God of your father hath given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. And he brought Simeon out unto them. And the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water and they washed their feet and he gave their asses provender. And they made ready the present against Joseph came at noon. For they had heard that they should eat bread there. And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present which was in their hand into the house and bowed themselves to him to the earth. Now you reckon he was thinking about that dream he had 20 years earlier? I guarantee you he was. God said this is what's going to happen. He sees his brothers in the dirt at his feet. And he asked them of their welfare and said, Is your father well? The old man of whom you spake, is he yet alive? Remember they told him, We have a father and a brother still in Canaan. And he knew 
who these men were. And he loved his father. Remember, he was his father's favorite. He wouldn't find out how he was doing. And they answered, Thy servant, our father, is in good health. He's yet alive. And they bowed down their heads and made obeisance. That means they worshipped. Just like the dream said they would. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your younger brother of whom you spake unto me? And he said, God be gracious unto thee, my son. Could you ask for anything more for somebody than that? God be gracious to thee, my son. And Joseph made haste, for his bowels did yearn upon his brother, and he sought where to weep. And he entered into his chamber and wept there. I, I can just see this, him running away from them almost and getting into his chamber and just weeping with joy, seeing his brethren that he'd forgiven. Isn't that glorious to think about that? He forgave them. He hadn't told them yet, but it had already been done, and how he loved Benjamin. Verse 31, and he washed his face and went out and refrained himself and said, set on bread, set the table. And they set on for him by himself and for they by themselves and for the Egyptians did eat with him by themselves because the Egyptians might not eat bread with the Hebrews for that's an abomination unto the Egyptians. Things haven't changed, have they? You've got one group feeling themselves to be superior to another group. We have that right here. And they set before him the firstborn according to his birthright and the youngest according to his youth. And the men marveled at one another. He set them down according to their age. He knew the age of every one of them, and he set them down according to their age. And I believe at this time, I don't know how else to say it, they were freaking out. What is going on? They still have no idea that this is Joseph. And he took and sent messengers unto them from before him. But Benjamin's mess, messes, not messengers, messes, uh, food. He took and sent messes unto them from before him, but Benjamin's mess was five times as much as theirs. You reckon they were jealous? Yeah, I guarantee you they were. And they drank and were merry with now remember, all of these historical narratives are given for one purpose, to teach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They have no other purpose than that. Now I love the way this begins with Judah being surety for Benjamin. The Lord Jesus Christ, before time began, said, of my hand shall you require Todd, of my hand. 
I will be surety for him. If I bring him not back into heaven and set him before you, let me bear the blame forever. Verse 11, and their father Israel said unto them, if it must be so now, do this. If we got to send him down, I guess he trusted Judah. You'll remember he didn't trust Reuben. Reuben said, bring him down with me. He said, he's not going down with you. He knew Reuben. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel. But he, when he heard what Judah said, he said, okay, if I have to, I'll send him down. We're not going to get any food if we don't. Take of the best fruits in the land your vessels. Verse 11, and carry the man a present, a little balm, a little honey, spices, myrrh, nuts, and almonds, and take double money in your hand, and the money that was brought again in the mouth of your sacks, carry it again. In your hand, peradventure, it was an oversight. Take also your brother and arise and go unto the man, and God Almighty give you mercy before the man, that he may send away your other brother, Simeon and Benjamin. If I be bereaved of my children, I'm bereaved. Whatever happens is going to happen. You know, that's a good attitude. The Lord's in control of everything. Whatever happens is going to happen. And the men took that present and they took double money in their hand and Benjamin and rose up and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the ruler of his house, bring these men home and slay. Now that's an important uh, part of the message. Bring these men home and slay, slay an animal for the meal, and make ready for these men shall dine with me at noon. They were going to have communion with one another. This was an intimate dinner. This wasn't to, to scare them. But I think it's so important that God the Holy Spirit adds this for this to take place. There has to be something slain. You can never get away, and we don't want to get away, from the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why can God have communion with me? Why does the Lord say, come unto me? Why does he say, come to me and I'll sup with you? For one reason, because of the blood of the lamb slain. There is not going to be any communion without the slaying of that animal. And you know when an uninstructed religious person hears something like that, they think, why all this blood? Why all this slaying? Why, it, it seems almost barbaric. And they don't understand that God is just. No, that blood doesn't do anything. It's just animal's blood, but it pictures the blood of the coming Son of God. And the blood of Christ is everything in our salvation there is no communion. There isn't any eating dinner. There isn't any true fellowship apart from that. Verse 17, And the man did as Joseph bade, and the man brought the men into Joseph's house, and they were afraid. They didn't say, this is great. They were afraid. And I know why they were afraid. 
the issue of the money. Their money had not been received. There's something going on here. We're going to get in trouble because he didn't accept our money. God never accepts your money. He doesn't need your money. These fellows were afraid because this is what we were hoping was going to get us food and it's been rejected. They were afraid seeing their works were not accepted. Their payment was not accepted. Joseph sent it back. He doesn't want their money. And what they were hoping in, their money to get them this grain and this food to keep them alive, it's been given back to them. And they think, He's going to make us slaves. And you know that's the way people think of God. He's going to make slaves of us. He's going to take what we have and he's going to make us slaves. That's from men's ridiculous views of who God is. Me and you have thought things like that before. We sure have. That's what they thought. He's brought us in that he may seek occasion against us and fall upon us and take us for bondmen and our asses. And they start trying to uh, influence the steward of Joseph's house. They came near to the steward of Joseph's house and they communed with him at the door of the house and said, Oh, sir, we came indeed down the first time to buy food and it came to pass when we came to the inn that we opened our sack This was on their way home after they had already received the food and paid the money to uh, get all the food. When we came to the inn, they got to the hotel that night, opened their sacks, and all of our money was there. It was all returned. In full weight. We brought it again in our hand. Just in case this was an oversight, we were trying to Get away with that food. We've brought the money again. And other money have we brought down in our hands to buy food. As a matter of fact, we read where it was double money, wasn't it? We're going to pay double to show that we're, this is going to be fair and square. We, we want to pay for this. Now, salvation is by grace. It's not by what you pay. What if... I don't know what my house is worth, but what if out of the goodness of my heart, I gave you my house and all of my everything. I gave it all to you and you alone. Now, what if you said, I don't want to be indebted to you. So here's a dime. That way I won't be indebted to you. How am I going to feel about that? I'll tell you how I'm going to feel. I'm going to say, you don't get it now. Uh, You've uh, demonstrated uh, very much about yourself. But what an insult it is to God to try to pay for his salvation. Do you think anything you have or anything you've done is worth what he did? The Lord's not going to take your money. He just don't get he. It's an insult to present it to him. 
And Joseph's not going to take their money. Now look what the steward says. And this is a great outline for a message. And he said, peace be to you. No doubt they were trembling with fear. They didn't know what was going to take place. Peace be to you. Fear not. Your God and the God of your father hath given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. I received your money. This is all done by way of justice, by complete fairness. I had your money. The money you have is what God gave you. Now here we have the gospel. It begins with this message. Peace. It begins there. Not here's what you need to get straightened out and then. No, it begins with the message of peace. What did the angel say at the birth of the Lord? Peace on earth, good will toward men. When Peter summarized his preaching to Cornelius and the people in his home, he said, we came preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. The gospel begins with an announcement of peace. It begins with peace. Now, men think about what they need to make peace with God. When we hear the gospel, we find out that God has made our peace. We find out that Jesus Christ has made our peace with God. It's an announcement of peace. It's not an offer of peace. You know, I've, I've heard preachers say God offers you peace. God offers you the forgiveness of sins. God offers you... And, Names all the different things here. God never offered anything. That's blasphemous. God gives peace. God gives his grace. He doesn't offer it out there. God doesn't offer you for you know the very thought of offering you forgiveness. He's never offered it. He forgives. He doesn't offer forgiveness. He forgives. That's who he is. And this message of the gospel begins with peace. And do you know you're not going to have any true conviction of sin until you find out he made your peace? When you find out he made your peace, that's when you'll find out something about sin. You're going to see what he had to do to make your peace with God. That's what's going to show you how bad sin really is. When you hear the gospel. Before you hear the gospel, you're thinking about what you need to do to make peace with God. When you hear the gospel, you find out God's at peace with you. Colossians 1.20 says, Having made peace through the blood of his cross. Not making peace available. Not offering peace if you do your part. Having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were before times alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath 
he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Now that's peace. He came preaching peace. He was delivered for our offenses, raised again for our justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Now, the peace he's speaking of is not the feeling of peace. It's the fact of peace. Now, I love the feeling of peace, don't you? I wish I could put it in a bottle and have it all the time, never worry, never think of anything. I love the feeling of peace. I love the feeling of knowing God's reconciled to me and accepted me. But let me tell you something I like better than the feeling of peace, the fact of peace. He's at peace with me through his son. Now that's the announcement of the gospel. Peace. Peace. Be. To you, fear not. (laughs) Truly, there's nothing to fear. Fear not. If you have peace, there's nothing to fear. If God be for us, who can be against us? Look what he says. You're God. You're God. I shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Not God against us. God with us. I'll be to them a God. And they shall be to me a people. You're God. The covenant God. The God of your fathers hath given you treasure in your sacks. That's what I entitled this message, Treasure in Your Sack. Well, what all treasures do we have in this sack? I love the scripture. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Now you think of the treasures in your sack, child of God. God put them there. You didn't earn them. He put them there. Of him are you in Christ Jesus. That's why you're in Christ Jesus. And you think of the treasures you have in your sack right now. You've been chosen of God. What a treasure. You've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. What a treasure. You have the forgiveness of all your sins. What a treasure. Something even better than that is you have complete justification. That's why you're forgiven. You stand before God having never sinned in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why you're forgiven. You have his spirit within you. You have the gift of faith. You believe the gospel. You have the gift of repentance. You're in a continual state of repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. You have a new heart that he's given you. You've got the promise of him preserving you. Now unto him that's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior. Oh, what treasure we have in our sacks. And God put them there. You see, this was done in a way that 
honors justice. You paid, you, the price was paid. The price was paid. I've got the money you gave originally. God put this treasure in your sacks. I think this is interesting. They were scared to death about the treasure in their sacks. That was what was going to get them uh, in trouble. But no, God put this treasure in their sacks. I had your money. And he brought Simeon unto them. Remember, Simeon had been uh, in jail the whole time they'd gone back home. And he said, you're not getting Simeon out unless you bring Benjamin with you. And that's why they brought him. And the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water and they washed their feet. And he gave their asses provender. Don't you, wait, don't you love the way the gospel always washes our feet? Our feet get dirty. The gospel washes our feet. And they made ready the present against Joseph. Came at noon. For they had heard that he should eat bread there. They didn't know they were going to eat bread there too. But they were bringing their present unto Joseph. But do you know that this word present is the word offering? Offering. What did Abel offer unto God the more excellent sacrifice. And when we come, we come with this present, but it's not something we've produced. We come looking only to the blood of Christ as to why we would be accepted. Verse 26, And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present which was in their hand into the house, and bowed themselves to him to the earth. Now, one thing that they were well aware of, the only way they were going to have food is if this man gave it to them. They'd starve to death. They wouldn't have anything unless he gave it to them. So what did they do? They bowed themselves to the earth. They, there wasn't any uh, uh, cocksure uh, Boldness, no, they bowed themselves to the earth in fear, knowing they were in his hand. And if they were going to have anything, it would be him giving it to them. And that's the way you and I come to the Lord. I, we come with boldness. Don't miss that. We come with boldness. Sometimes the way people use begging, begging the Lord for this, begging for the Lord for that. It's almost like it's presenting that he's unwilling to do something unless we beg enough. That's not so. We come with boldness, but we come with humility, bowing ourselves to the earth and worshiping. They did obedience. Oh, may the Lord enable us to come to Christ just like that, not in a cringing, fearful, unbelieving way, to come with boldness, because of the blood of his son. Scripture says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We come with boldness, but we come with our faces in the dirt. There is no other way to come. You remember the Pharisee stood 
and prayed thus with himself. That's not the way the publican prayed. And when Joseph came home and they brought him the present within their hand, they bowed themselves to him, to the earth, and he asked them of their welfare and said, Is your father well, the old man of whom you spake? Is he yet alive? And they answered, Thy servant, our father's in good health. He's yet alive. And they bowed down their heads and made obedience. They actually worshiped. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your younger brother of whom you spake unto me? And he said, God be gracious unto thee, my son. You know what I want more than anything else? It's for God to be gracious to me. You know what I want second most? For God to be gracious to you. And I ought to want it more for you than I want for myself. I realize that. But what a desire. God be gracious. You know, that's somebody... It's the same word that's generally translated loving kindness. God have mercy upon me according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercy. Somebody once said that's the Old Testament word for grace. God be gracious to you, my son. And Joseph made haste. I think of the Lord. <laughs> His bowels yearning upon his brethren. Isn't that beautiful? And Joseph made haste, for his bowels did yearn upon his brother. And he sought where to weep, and he entered into his chamber and wept there. Then he washed his face and went out and refrained himself and set on bread. Now, I, would, I love to think of him saying, Reuben, here. Simeon, here. Levi here, Judah here, on down the line, calling their names and setting them by their birth order. And they still, at this time, do not know who he is. And they said before him, the firstborn according to his birthright and the youngest according to his youth and the men marveled at one another. Yeah, I think it's interesting how the Egyptians, even at that time, wouldn't eat with the Hebrews. It was an abomination. Joseph was a Hebrew. You know what I would have done if I were Joseph? I would say, eat with me right now or die. If I had that kind of power, he had that kind of power. And he could have done that, but you know what? He didn't. It's interesting, isn't it? He didn't. And he took and sent messes unto them from before him. That's portions of food for the feast. But Benjamin's mess was five times as much as any of theirs. Now that word five, 
it, number five. In, numbers always mean something in the scripture. And five is known as the number of grace. Uh, the argument for that is the tabernacle. Uh, everything in the instruction, in the construction of the tabernacle was divisible by five. Um, even the tabernacle itself, it had five skins over it. Uh, there were five different threads in the veil, all representing some portion of the divine glory. Um, how many stones did David have in his bag? Five. You'll remember in the great chain of salvation, kept whom he did foreknow, then he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Benjamin got the mess of grace. Five times the size of everybody else, the gift of grace. Now, like I said, were the brothers jealous? Well, would you have been? Yeah. But it's part of the story. And, um, well, we'll pick up Lord Willen with uh, chapter 44 next week. There are two powerful gospel messages in that story. Let's pray together. Lord, how we thank you for your word, and we ask in Christ's name that by your spirit you would speak peace to our hearts. Lord, it won't do any good if somebody else tells us peace, but if you speak peace to our hearts, we'll have peace. Lord, we ask that we might fear not. We ask that we might see the treasure in our sacks came from you. Bless this message for the Lord's sake as we look forward to this coming week. We ask that you would give us the grace to walk with you as Enoch did. We ask that we might be enabled to move with fear as Noah did. We ask that we might be enabled to bring the more excellent sacrifice as Abel did. Bless us, O Lord, for Christ's sake. In his name we pray. Amen.